This episode was created on unceded Coast Salish territories of the Lekwungen and Wissanik people. CFUV has been around for over 30 years. In that time, we have worked with many radio hosts, all with their own unique experiences and stories. I'm setting out to find how CFUV has affected its community and to get an inside story on CFUV's DJs. I'm Max Monday, and this is Behind the Mic. I'm here today with Jackson of Overgrowth. How are you doing? Doing fantastic. That's good. That's Great good. day today. Jackson became aware of CFUV when he was living in Nanaimo. It was there that he hosted his first radio show at CHLY, Nanaimo's community radio station. When I was in high school, I was kind of DJing, getting into it really wanted to become a DJ and the program director at Chile saw one of my shows and said, hey, do you want a radio show? There it's a much different process than CFUV. It's uh, much more relaxed and they were looking for people to fill in slots because I guess a lot of programmers just left for the summer. So I went in with a resume and stuff like that and presented in my show and I got my first show called The Jackson Show on Chile and it was a great time. It was uh, very stressful but it was a lot of fun. It was awesome and kind of got me hooked onto radio. It was no- nothing I ever went into expecting to do. In high school, like I always knew I wanted to do music and I wanted to DJ and produce and stuff like that. But at no point did radio cross my mind. I was like, oh, I'm going to do radio. Like that just never came uh, through. However, here I am still doing it. What was your aha moment when you were doing radio for the first time kind of like my aha moment well yeah like, the, the, this is fun yeah yeah i guess i guess it was the first show i did i came off air and i got like a bunch of texts from my friends and stuff like that they're like oh awesome show and stuff like that and i was like whoa this is awesome like i went in a room it, it felt really cool you know going in the studio for the first time everything's live you're mixing it just felt really grown up and i was still in high school and i was like i think just ending of grade 11 so it was like whoa right like and uh then the second week, it was like, oh, you st- still have a radio show. Oh, cool. And like the hype just essentially dropped off the first week, and I've just been trying to get that hype back ever since. <laughs> it's like been the past two and a half years, I've been trying to get people to get back to that first week. Kind of oh. like a junkie that way, I guess. <laughs> My first high was just like crazy. I'm just trying to get back to it. Have you found any techniques to uh, get people to be more interested in your show as of late? I think uh, giveaways are always really big. Uh, honestly, probably the most listened shows I have are giveaway shows. And so I try to do them every couple months. And that's just because I literally give away free iTunes gift cards or try to give away some music or vinyl. People really enjoy that. As well as when I have special guests on the show, I find that people really enjoy that when it's just not my voice and my music. But Can you tell us of any notable people that you've interviewed? Yeah. Uh, recently, I just had Mouth Breather on the show, the Victoria Local. Uh, we had miscellaneous friend, uh, I think the week after that as well, and just a bunch of people. I'm trying to get more and more. Uh, those two have been the most recent, that's what I'm trying to say. And then I usually have a couple friends come on the show, and I feel I always do better when someone's in the room with me, because I can have someone to talk to. 
uh, instead of just like talking to an empty room in the mic. So uh, some a lot of us shows actually there's someone actually in the room, but they're not gonna say anything. And it's just a friend of mine, and I'm just like, hey, come on the radio, and we can just talk. And I feel I just get looser after that. What are some changes you've noticed between CFUV and Chile or like differences? CFUV is much more organized. Mm-hmm. Um, Chile, when I was going there, they had a real bad time. I came in at a really bad time for Chile. They were about to go bankrupt and literally lose the station, lose their license and all that. And it was really crazy. And there's a lot of drama happening on the board of directors. It was real crazy stuff they locked a studio someone like you know tried to lock themselves in and it was like crazy drama happening so i came in in the middle of that because a lot of people were leaving and so it was a little bit of rough time but it was also a great time because uh, the people there was just really relaxed meeting a lot of cool people um and it was cool i guess in nanaimo because i didn't expect so many people to be into those kinds of music that they were playing whatever it was uh, like crazy electronic or hip-hop nanaimo is such a small town and I kind of felt like, oh, man, no one's listening to like the music I want to listen to. You know, it's that kind of angsty teenager sound. And I was like, oh, man, like, you know, what's going on? Right. You guys aren't getting it. But then people were. And that was awesome to hear. And then CFUV is so much more of a presence, I think, in the community. Just with all the events they do, all the promotion, so many more people, uh, so many more programmers are actually active in the community. A lot of the Chile programmers are great programmers, but they're not really going out and doing their own thing. They're kind of just going for the show and coming back. But they're both great radio stations. Brothers, be you like yours. Ain't that fucking kind of hard on you? Jackson's current show, Overgrowth, encompasses soul, hip hop, and electronic, all in just an hour and a half of programming. How do you get all of these diverse genres to work together? It stems from this uh, concept that I've kind of come across in the past maybe eight months or so. And it's that I've boiled down my favorite music taste to two artists. That's James Blake and Marvin Gaye. And I'll defend them till I die. I'm dead serious about it. Like Marvin Gaye has such a stigma and you think like, let's get it on. So cheesy and a cliche. He's a genius. And like when you listen to even Let's Get It On. The amount of emotion he puts into that song is ridiculous. And I also love the history behind it. And I could go on for hours about him. However, the soul and electronic and the hip-hop all kind of stem from those two. James Blake's definitely more electronic, has his soulful voice, and he kind of produces a little bit of hip-hop and has real interest in that. Marvin Gaye, complete soul. However, hip-hop has such a deep root in sampling soul that it kind of, you know, tumbles on top of itself. And I really love soul beats. It branches out from those two, and uh, when you listen to my show, I think you just you can hear the either one of the two at almost all times. So you're like, oh, I see how that's is James Blake related. I see how this is Marvin Gaye related, and it it always comes back to those two. We all talking about it. Let's get it on. What's your opinion on the? condition of the soul community in Canada right now in Canada it's we've always been weaker right soul is definitely an American thing Philadelphia Chicago those are staples in soul music and that's where it originate originates from and we've had our people I think my most favorite Canadian artist is probably Jack Soul 
Uh, he's recently passed away in a motorcycle accident. However, he uh, he had such great, great albums. Um, and it was kind of great to hear. But for the most part, we're lacking in a great way from our, for our own stuff. I think people in Canada definitely pre- appreciate soul music. I hope so. I, you know, I have a show about soul music. However, we just don't produce it that much. We just don't have that soul music coming out. And I've looked for it, especially having a CFUV radio show. You need that Canadian content. And, I mean, the closest we get for, like, Vancouver that I can really find is, like, Bobby Taylor and the Vancouvers. And they were a band on Motown for a while. Fun fact, they actually discovered Michael Jackson and the Jackson 5. And, you know, the crazy history is that they had to give it to Diana Ross because she was a bigger name. However, Vancouver repping that Jackson 5. But, you know, other than that, we don't have, like, these big staples. Like, Motown, right? We don't have anything like that in Canada. Mm -hmm. And I think that comes across a lot in like hip hop as well and just that whole community. Hip hop, we're kind of getting there now, especially Toronto and like that east side. I think Drake's a huge influence for sure, paving that way. Uh, You get people like Tory Lanez coming out of there, Jazz Cartier, and we're kind of getting there. West Coast, we're, we're, you know, we're even further behind that way. You might have like Mad Child and Snake the Ripper and stuff like that. And we have our own little sound, but it's not really grabbing the world yet. We're, we're getting there, but it's taking us a lot of time. I can remember hoping that you and I could make it all. Hosting a program at CFUV isn't the only musical endeavor Jackson partakes in. He's also an accomplished, albeit young, DJ in the Victoria music scene. It's, uh, it's a lot easier than people realize. Okay. It's definitely just putting yourself out there, being professional, being punctual. You can kind of get a little, you know... Once you do one gig right, you kind of have a foot to stand on, and you kind of go from there. So our fir- my first show in Victoria, I think, was Deja Vu, which is no longer around. There's a reason it's closed down now, right? Not too many people were going there, and that's the first show you do. And, you know, you get to know connections. You start to realize that people who own Deja Vu also own Sugar, and that's a great connection. They know that you're punctual. They know that you're you know professional. I think the biggest thing is being self-sufficient. I make all my own posters, print my own tickets, put the posters up, be there an hour and a half early, you know, bring all my own gear. I'll bring like extra mixers, extra cables, everything. Like I I never want to be that person to roll up and be like, oh, you know, I forgot my RCA cable and blah, blah, blah. And that's this huge ordeal. I never want that to happen and I never want that to be associated with me. So I make sure I bring like extra bags, like crazy, like I'll bring stuff that I can't even use just in case that... They need something for their equipment. I bring extra XLR cables. It's a huge uh, thing that I just want to be associated with me is that I'm always there on time, ready to play. So I think having that attitude helps you get more shows and it just kind of builds and builds. And once you say you've done this show with so many people, it's easier in the email to be like, I can do this for you. And I see it as a very business point too. And, um, you know, it is a business. The club wants to make money. Yeah. Right. Ultimately, they want to sell drinks, sell tickets. So how can they do that? You know, you type to them like, I brought so many people to my last show. Can we do deals this way? Can I do a promotion that way? I'm on CFUV. And you just try to work it that way. And I think, you know, just sending out the right email can go a long way. Mm-hmm. So I've just been on doing that for the past year or so. What is your favorite genre to spin? Disco. You act like you've got nothing to lose. Disco? Absolutely disco. Seriously? I put my love in on the line for you later. 
this goes it makes it it's the perfect the perfect genre it's 120 bpm which is perfect for dancing it's easy to mix it's it's for dancing it is it's a genre for dancing and i can't think of anything better than that if i'm trying to spin records that like if i'm djing right it's disco i want people to dance I love disco. Oh, you love the show. <laughs> it's um, that's that's one thing that you, like, I don't know. You said that you get James Blake and Marvin Gaye. Yeah. Um, those are the two genres that uh, encompass your hip hop and soul and electronic music. Mm-hmm. Where does disco fit in? You blend the two. Disco came straight out of soul. Yeah. In a way, but then you add electronic elements. You mash James Blake and especially his earlier stuff. Uh, not so. People might know him for like retrograde or like uh, "Limit to My Love" and those more vocal ballads, uh, but you go back into his more production days, and it has such a disco vibe. And then, honestly, soul—you know—if you just kind of speed it up a little bit and give it more of a consistent beat behind it, it kind of got disco. It's all—it's—it's it's real close. I mean, it comes from that, and you get the roots, and you kind of get this blend of soul disco, uh, soul jazz, and I think. They're uh, very closely linked, and so it's not too far to step away to get to disco. I'm not talking like 80s disco, like 90s disco. I looked up like disco hits, right? And it's just this, it's almost techno in a way. Yeah. It's just like, it has nothing to it. Real disco's got the soul, it's got the perfect beat, it's got the bass line. And I mean, you watch like shows like Soul Train, and you just see people dancing. Just dancing, right? Like giving it their all. And I always, you know, Wish I can get my crowd back to that time where they just gave it their all. So that's why that's why I'm playing disco. What was your one good gig that gave you a leg to stand on? Deja vu. Um, we had 250 people there. It was called 250, and it was actually through the club I run with a couple other guys, uh, the UVic Music Production Club here at UVic. And we featured 10 different DJs on two stages. So five DJs per stage, so mm-hmm. 250. You get the area code in there. And we did it. It was an awesome show. It was cool to have. We had different rooms, different stages going on all at the same time. There's a new person on, I think, every half an hour, just the way we staggered it. So if you weren't really feeling that DJ, you could go upstairs and check the other DJ. If you weren't feeling him, by that time, the other DJ downstairs has changed. And we kept it really flowing and going. And it turned out to be a really great show. And we kind of did a second installment at Upstairs Cabaret. And that was called No Phone Zone. And that was a great success. And yeah, we've just been doing good lately. It's ultimately the people coming out. That's, you know, how we can keep on doing it. If no one came out to the shows, we couldn't do more shows. So. You've played... Sugar, very big nightclub. Uh, Deja Vu, big nightclub. You also play uh, smaller venues like Overgrowth. Um, I know that you've like DJed for a few friends get-togethers. Mm-hmm. What's what's the differences between uh, between big big shows and like little venues? Big shows, there's a lot of pressure. Uh, more pressure on the music selection than anything, because when you go to a big show like a big club, at, say upstairs, they get their regular crowd. And the regular crowd is not expecting to hear disco. They're not ready to hear not top 40. So you have that kind of pressure of trying to win a crowd over. And there's, you know, you got to make the better selection to be, 
I guess the whole thing is you got to pick the right music so that if even if they haven't heard it before, they like it. And finding that song's really tough. Like putting together a 45 minute set takes me about 2 months when I'm doing that. It's a lot of, you know, dissecting, making sure the flow's right, making sure everything works together, and it's a lot of, you know, preparation. When I'm doing shows at like Vinyl Envy or for friends or something like that and it's a little bit longer of a set, I play whatever. I play what I feel that I want to play and it's a lot more loose and it's a lot more organic that way and totally different shows, totally different vibes and yeah, but I'd say the big shows are definitely a lot more pressure. Do you have a preference? I mean, small shows I get to do what I want and there's no pressure, right? So I kind of, I enjoy that. But I also like being on a real stage and that enjoyment and that excitement, you know, keeps me coming back for more. I guess, I guess little shows maybe for now. But I mean, I'd love to play like a huge festival stage. But then I'd freak out about it because I get real like, you know, OCD and perfectionist about it. And I, you know, I can't do anything for like that day before the show. I have to be like on my computer. I'm like freaking out. It's uh, a lot of pressure, a lot of stress happening. And usually when I'm doing those big shows, I mean, of late, I'm also organizing them. So I'm not just a, I'm not just coming there and performing. I'm doing, you know, all the other things on the side, too, and trying to keep it all straight and organized. So I guess little shows because I can just do what I want. How do you bring in an audience, an upstairs or sugar audience that wants to hear top 40s, but you have this playlist of, you know, soul, funk, hip hop, disco. How do you bring those people in? I mean, you're kind of you're you're asking the question that I wish I kind of had the answer to at this point. Uh, what I like about it is that I think I stand out in that way. Mm -hmm. um, and definitely that whole Bass Coast sound is very prominent in this town. Um, and it's just not for me. It's just not the vibe I want to create. And I think what maybe keeps on getting me gigs is that it's a little bit of a change of pace. When you're going to those bass shows, you can be into it, but it's also four hours of it. And it kind of doesn't matter what genre you're playing, you know, it's nice to have a switch up mm -hmm. at some point. Whatever it is, right? If you're listening to jazz, it's nice for them to break it down. It's nice for them to go real fast. You're listening to rock and roll. You want to hear the solos, but you also want to hear the ballads. You need that kind of up and, you know, back and forth flow. So what I try to do is give that flow through that genre. And it's definitely tough. I've definitely ha been doing shows and had guys come up to me and be like, why are you playing this? Stop playing this. What are you doing? No one likes this. Like mid show, I'm playing the song. And so... I guess my main thing that keeps people coming back, I want to get everyone to dance, and I think that's the best path to it. You know, me playing hard hip-hop and, you know, all this crazy thrash and stuff, it's not nice to dance to. You can't move your hips to it, you know? You can't get with it, can't get down to it, and that's, you know, it has its moments and it definitely has its time, but I, you know, I want people to sway their hips. I want people to move. You know, I just want that vibe, right? I just want that classic 1970 vibe. You know, just having a good time. It doesn't have to be weird. And I want people to dance. And not enough people do it. And you just got to let yourself go. And I think that's where disco comes back in. So I guess the reason I do it all and the reason I get people to come back is I think, you know, some people are dancing. Some people are thinking it's nice, hopefully. Seems like street lights glowing.
How does、um, playing live compare to playing a DJ set at CFEV? I'm definitely much more. I, I mix a lot more when I'm doing live DJing.、Mm-hmm. CFEV is kind of more just a playlist, if you will.、Uh, I try to blend a little bit, but I'm not beat matching. I'm playing whatever I, you know, playing the songs in, a, in an order, but they might not be perfectly like key matched or tempo matched.、Uh, and then a live show. You know, I'm not talking in it. I'm just, you know, and I w- kind of wish I was, right? Because the reason I love doing a CFU radio show is I can stop halfway through the set and say why I love this song and kind of win people over and give context. And I think that's really important to listening to music. Also, CFUV shows can be a lot more low key. I'm just not there in the streets. I'm just not there. Why is it important to have a show on CFUV that keeps people grooving and moving, if you will? I guess right now in the world, you see a lot of trouble happening. You、yeah. see a lot of problems everywhere, constantly. Whether it's money, whether it's people's lives, whether it's social issues, whether it's gender issues, whether it's you know, race issues, things are happening and it's crazy right now out there. And while you have to put importance to it and you have to. Definitely take it always serious. It's hard to do it 24 7. There's a reason media and the news constantly is switching every story, right? You'll hear a story for like 18 hours and then it's on to the next thing, and you'll never hear of like that school shooting that happened or something like that, right? We, we move on so quickly because we can't stay in that moment, right? And I think a healthier way of dealing with that is finding the joy back in life because a lot of bad stuff happens in life. But also, there's a lot of good things that happen. And you gotta appreciate those moments, because why else are we here? Then have a good time, right? If you're working and just, you know, feeling the hardships of life, why? Right? Why aren't you moving? Why aren't you dancing? You gotta take all those things serious, but there also is another side to life. And so ultimately, you kinda need it to, keep, to stay sane, to stay, you know, happy. And, you know, going back to John Lennon, right? Like, what do you wanna be when you grow up? I wanna be happy. It's hard to be happy. It's really hard to be happy. And I, but I think a good path to it is music. And I think more importantly, it's music that makes you feel good. And boiling it back down to the very core of it, soul music, it feels good. It feels good to listen to, feels good to move to. And it's kind of undeniable, in my opinion. Not all of it, but some of it. Some of it, you just, when you listen to it, put some headphones on, you're in that right environment. It's undeniable. It makes you feel good. And I think that's really important for life. Why would you want there to be a show on CFUV that gives the chance for people to do that, though? Why can't they just, like, you know, flip on Top 40s radio and go, okay, I'm going to listen to this and I'm going to dance to it? I mean, sure, you can do it, but I don't think it's the right. I mean,. You're not hearing someone really express themselves, which is also a huge part of soul music. You listen to Marvin Gaye, you listen to Al Green, you listen to Teddy Pendergrass, you listen to all these people for the vocals, for the soul, for the feeling. That feeling doesn't come across in Top 40. You know, it's 15 writers, it's three producers, it's studio bands, it's people not even seeing the words, reference tracks. It's so manufactured and such a formula that you don't really get the same feeling.、Mm-hmm. Uh, it's important for CFUV. Because there's not really much of it on CFUV. In my, I mean, 
I don't want to discredit other people's shows and stuff like that, and they do great things. But there's not a lot of soul shows on CFUB. Uh, you know, I, I think myself and a couple other people play soul. And so uh, just making sure that soul music is still represented, mm-hmm. along with disco, along with hip-hop, too. I mean, there's not a lot of hip-hop shows on the radio station. There's not a lot of soul. There's not a lot of disco. You know, we kind of get some jazz in there. A little bit, we definitely get more blues, and you know, as we move into rock, that's where we, you know, see the majority of shows landing is in that rock scene, indie rock scene. You kind of go more crazy into electronic, ambient. So it's just how it gets more of a balance than anything. You mm-hmm. need a little bit more of a balance on CFUB. Try and fulfill that in the best way I can. Jackson plays keyboards and synth in Death Cart, the once solo project of Jackson's roommate, Curtis. This is the Death Cart song, Love Like Lobotomy. So Curtis is my roommate now. We went to high school together. Mm -hmm. That's how we originally met uh, in performing arts class. It was a real funny way of how we became roommates. It was like midway through my first year. And I hadn't talked to Curtis probably since graduation. I had like moved to Victoria. And not that I was like, you know, oh, I'm never talking to Curtis again. It was just more like I'm in Victoria now and like he's in the Nymo. You know, it's just I'm not seeing him right now. So uh, but I get this text out of the blue. It's like, hey, man, I'm coming down to UVic next year. Just want to live together. And I was like, I have no plans. Right. Sure. And so uh, from there, uh, we kind of moved in together, and it's been awesome. And he'd been doing his own solo project called Death Cart in that summer. And he put out the album uh, Death Cart, self-titled. And then he was like, man, I want to do live shows, but it can't just be me. I need, you know, I need to fill out the band. So I was like, okay. He's like, do you want to play drums? I'm like, no. And uh, can you play bass? I'm like, no. And he's like, well, the keyboard parts are really easy. I'm like, okay. And so from there, I became the keyboard player and the synth player. Uh, and then we found our bass player actually through the UVic Music Production Club. One of our first meetings, a guy there played bass. His name's Hamza. And kind of just approached him. and was like, hey, you play bass. Do you want to join our band? He's like, sure. Um, we did our first show at Logan's with no drummer and a MacBook computer as our drummer. Uh, a recorded track and that... Uh, could have gone a lot better of a show. However, uh, after that, Curtis went to a party, I think a New Year's party, and found our now drummer Griffin there. And from there, we've kind of just been Death Card. How receptive has um, the Victoria music scene been to Death Card? Pretty good. Yeah, I think people are appreciating it. We're moving uh, into our own sound more and more. More as we become a band, more as we become, you know, who we know each other and stuff like that. We are finding our own sound. Uh, We're having a real hard time of pinning down our sound right now. I think every show we do, we get a new description of who we are. It's like synth rock, garage rock, lo-fi, R&B. Like, we just get all these random things. And and even we don't really know what we sound like at this point. But we're getting there, and we're really definitely finding our own sound, and we're starting to write songs together, and I think people are really appreciating it. From the shows we've done, uh, it's been really great reviews and you know positivity, and now we got a show happening at Lucky and with Holy Smokes, and that's awesome. And you know we're not opening anymore, which is a huge step, and we're freaking out about it. We're like, 
you know, guys, the show starts at 7.30, and we go on at 9. We go on at 9. And we just, you know, we're like, what? Like, freaking <laughs> out. Because it's, like, the first time we're not opening for someone. Mm-hmm. And that's a pretty big thing. And so it's it's been going good. Mm-hmm. Going really good. How do your influences get put into Death Card's music? Living with Curtis, we've kind of influenced each other, whether it's like us fighting for the record player in the house and, you know, showing each other music all the time. It's kind of just happened naturally where, you know, he's showing me something really good from his collection and I'm showing him st- stuff that I really like from my collection. And I think it's kind of trickled into uh, one of our each other. And so now... Ultimately, what I want it to be called is like lo-fi R&B. That's my genre I want to get to. And we're writing new songs right now. And I think we're going to perform a couple at Lucky and Wheelie's. We have two shows coming up. And we're getting, you know, I'm trying to push my soul into it. I'm trying to push my disco into it. But Curtis has his own, you know, influences and stuff like that. So there's a little bit of pushback, right? There's like, well, we can't just do a disco song, right? Like, you know, we can't, you know, I need distortion on this. And so... It's this give and take, right? It's like, okay, well, let me just put these neo soul chords in here, right? Or let's get the drums to, you know, back it down and, you know, go more disco-y and, you know, less thrashy. Or, and from what, you know, from what we've been doing, we all are really liking it. And I think it's more important because now the whole band's writing every part. We're writing parts for ourselves. We're all contributing and we're all having a good time doing it. Before that, it was just all Curtis's songs, right? So we're just playing someone else's songs at that point. But now it's all of our songs, and now we put a lot more into it. And I think we're just doing better as a band that way. And with that, I'm coming with my soul. I'm coming with my disco. And that, you know, a little bit comes in there, right? And everyone in the band has their own very diverse music tastes. And so we're all kind of blending it together right now. How do you take so many different genres and different music tastes and put them into one because we know how yours blends in now but like how do you work from those pushbacks from other people it's it's how the creative process has to work right if it was just my way it'd be one sounding thing and it wouldn't be dynamic enough and so and i think that goes for everyone say griffin he's really into like drone music and ambient and crazy crazy sound and stuff and he brings that into his drums and into his playing right he plays the drums like no one no one else I've ever seen. He plays the drums crazy. He, he'll hit the cymbal from like the wrong side. He'll come over the cymbal and like hit it just to get the right sound, right? And just because it feels right. And then Hamza, our bassist, I praise him so much. And I think I praised him a lot in the last interview I did about him. But I call him Young Mozart. The guy's incredible. Um, he's like a computer science engineer right now. And music's just in him. There's a story that we were playing a show one time. And we were backstage. And it was just me and him. And he picked up a guitar and he started playing Curtis's guitar part. And he never knew it. He just started playing all the right chords perfectly. And then he started playing his vocal part. The vocal notes, he was just playing it on top of chords. And it, it's the kind of stuff like that. It's just like, oh my God, like, get out. Like, you know, like, what are you doing with us, right? Like, why are you here? And we always razz him about just, uh, you know, how, how good he is. And we're like, of course, like he broke a string during practice one time and played every part perfectly. He found the right notes on the other strings. Like, I'm like struggling through three chords over here. And this guy is just playing without strings and killing it all the time. And uh, so when you have all those talents come together and all their 
tastes. I think we all have a good enough ear to know what works and what doesn't. You know, I know that like if we brought in a crazy funk line that I really enjoy in other songs into this song, it wouldn't work. And, you know, Curtis knows, or it's even Griffin, like, we can't scream in this song because it doesn't fit. And I think we're all becoming so close that we kind of know each other's taste at this point and what each other can do. And so we can kind of work our way around that way. Now that Death Cart is starting to gain traction in the Victoria music scene, Jackson gets to see what CFUV can do for local artists. Being a musician on CFUV, especially having your own show on CFUV, is awesome. I mean, you get to play your own music and you kind of get this free promo. It's awesome. Also, CFUV puts on so many shows. While I personally haven't done a CFUV show, so, uh, that's a lie. I might have done a support show by CFUV. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Not so 100% sure. With Overgrowth, uh, didn't you, like, Audio Growth is a thing where you mix your music with mm. Audio Death Ray. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we're both on CFUV, but it's not, like, sponsored by CFUV, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, but we definitely bring, I definitely bring CFUV wherever I go, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's always in my back pocket. It's always, hey, I host a show on CFUV. And I mainly say that because CFUV has such a great name in Victoria. And it's, you know, oh, you know, a respectable name. Nice. Like, you have a show. Um, so that's always a great feeling. And that's also how you get show, how, how I've been getting shows in Victoria, I feel like. It's having the name of CFUV behind you. It makes you a little bit more than just a bedroom producer, right? Or just, hey, I DJ, right? Like, I, I played music before and I've listened. Like, you know, it, it gives you some credibility no matter what. And so as a musician, as a DJ, it's helpful that way. What's it like being roommates with a bandmate? Good. As a band, we have no real issues with each other yet. Um, <laughs> and what's awesome is like after dinner, it'll be like, hey, I've been working on this. You want to hear it? Yeah. Oh, cool. I got, I, you know, we, I'll put something on that. And me and Curtis have this side project that not a lot of people have heard, but it's this jazz project we're doing. And, you know, it'll be like, hey, I'll, you know, I'll show Curtis like, oh, I got these like awesome chord progressions. You want to hear them? Sure. Oh, I'll get my guitar and, you know, solo on it and stuff like that. So having something one around to hear it and to add to it at all times is awesome. It's uh, a really cool feeling. And especially like when we do shows, our bass player lives in Vancouver right now. So when he's in the house, we have like three people in a two bedroom apartment uh, and it's crazy times. But, you know, it's always about the music. We're always showing each other music. We're always playing. It's like, hey, me and Chris have been working on this song. I want you to hear it. Can you put a better bass line on it? Or, you know, like. Oh, I heard this song. I want to make something like that. Oh, well, I've made a song that sounds like this. And, you know, like, it's just an always uh, creative process in the mm-hmm. house. And that's why I really enjoy about it. And so it's kind of like, even though you have side projects, your band still can kind of contribute to them. Yeah. I, I mean, we always talk about in band practice how we could be like seven different kinds of bands if we wanted to be like grunge, jazz soul band jazz band i think i already said jazz ambient you know we have all these places we go to especially when we're jamming right we'll play like math rock songs just out of nowhere and it's awesome or grunge or metal and you know curtis will just like get on the mic and start screaming and we'll just like 
thrash around and we have a great time and we're like, man, we could make a whole album like that kind of thing. And I don't know if that's the same for other bands, but we love jamming together. And ultimately, that's our favorite thing. And that's why we keep on doing shows and stuff like that. We did a show in Nanaimo and we drove there all packed in a small car, all our gear. It was incredibly uncomfortable for the whole ride. And we get there and there's like no one at the show. There's like maybe 10 people. Six of them are outside. Two of them are asleep. One guy's on a couch and like one person's like kind of standing there. And we had a great time because we got to play with each other. And that's what we really love doing. Across the board, that's what we love. We I made like a tour. I made like... <laughs> I made a tour playlist, right? And we're like, as we're leaving, I'm playing like uh, Life is a Highway and stuff like that. And like playing Band on the Run by like Paul McCartney and stuff like oh, that. Oh, no. Oh, it's great. No. Band on the Run? That song's amazing. Especially the first half. The second half gets a little weird. But the first half, like, Band on the Run. And like, uh, we're having a great time in the car. And I mean, we get there. We're supposed to get paid. Like, barely got paid. I think we all made like five bucks kind of thing like we got paid a 20 dollar bill and we're like okay well i guess that's gas maybe kind of thing so but we had a great time it was a lot of fun uh okay i have one more question and i'm gonna try not to judge you for saying that you really like band on the run i'm gonna try really hard to sorry do you got a problem with paul mccartney right now maybe? and the waynes yeah what what of it no 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 Let's screw your question let's go into this <laughs> are you a john girl no a george no i'm uh not a super huge fan of the beatles personally see now i'm judging you <laughs> <laughs> what, judge what, me all you want what's your issue with them i don't know they're just overplayed i mean like there's so many different bands that have sorry said for playing good music what no what <laughs> no, they're incredible they're incredible songwriters i just find that they are I'm sure you like, get this a lot, though. I'm sure. Yeah, no, yeah. totally, I do. It, like, so people, they just like say, "Oh, they're the best band ever," and like they were so innovative and that sort of thing. But they pretty much stole from like a whole bunch of different genres and things, and kind of like. Yeah, but that's no, that's everyone, yeah. though. Yeah, I mean, like, what person hasn't stolen like, you know, their biggest tune? Like, you're like, "Oh man, this is the best song ever." Yeah, well, uh, someone else did it like 30 years ago, and you're like, "Oh well, you know, like." I guess so. they, they did a different twist on it. I mean, that's like hotline bling, right? For a you know, relevant example. You're like, oh man, Drake, like, whoa, 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 right? Like, man, it just, it's so groovy and stuff. It's like, you know, he just like ripped all of this off like a 1960 song. And it's like, yeah, but you know, Drake said hotline bling and he danced real funny in the video. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's everyone, right? Um, Sampling and stealing is all part of music. I guess so, yeah. Side note, my... How dare you hate the Beatles? <laughs> How dare you? You're not even like... Are you a Rolling, Sto like Rolling Stones? Are you on the other side of it all? No. Wow. No, not a fan Just of the Stones. Just off the not... radar, hey? You know, I like... I'm not a super huge fan of anything. Uh, like, obviously, I love disco, but um, when it comes to, like, bands... Yeah. Um, I start liking specific bands like around the 80s so around you know when new wave and dark wave and like post rock okay. started coming out um, but other than that like it's not really yeah, I don't know I don't like specific bands so until like, after that time so if, like Hey Jude came on right and you sat through it and like the na na part comes up I would roll my eyes you'd roll your eyes I would you wouldn't even be like nah nah <laughs> nah 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 you wouldn't get there 
nah, I okay, I wouldn't roll my eyes at that point. As soon as I hear "Hey Jude," I'd be like, "Oh my god, okay." So let's oh listen my, to this. Oh my god, let's get like, into this one keep, right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, That's, yeah. Hey, don't turn that dial. Forgot <laughs> "Hey Jude" coming up. <laughs> Sorry, you don't like the Beatles. <laughs> this is what you're telling me right now. <laughs> Nothing. Let me let me pull up some songs right now, and we're gonna talk about this. You don't like. How are you a music fan? Like me? How are you a music fan and you're not like oh, beat? Is there any of them? Any of them that like you're like okay? Yeah. Well, they're passable, but wow. I would say like I'm neutral on the Beatles. It's like I don't like I don't like the Beatles. I don't hate them. I just don't like them. They're like I don't know. They're pretty like come together. Oh God. They're pretty, like they're let pretty, it be. Yeah, they're pretty. Cry every time. Yeah, I'm sorry, man. I just can't get into it. Um, question though. Question time? Last question? Yeah, go for it, I guess. Let's just glaze over that topic. <laughs> You've been involved with different community radio stations since you've been a teen in high school. Can you speak to us on the importance of local radio? It's uh, it's where you find different music. It's where you find handpicked music. It's where you find music that goes, you know, unlistened to by many people, especially now. I actually wrote a whole article kind of about why radio, community radio, and college radio is important, and it, it boils down to the point where their music is so easy to access in this day and age. You got Spotify, you got iTunes. It's incredible. I mean, torrenting. I mean. No one should ever steal music, and no one ever has. But um, it's so easy, so easy. Clicks of buttons, and you get full discographies, right? And you just get it all right there, right then. You know, top 40 list. Like, you can go on and just download, like, Billboard's top 200 and just get all the songs right there at, at your doorstep. And what makes CFUV and Chili and all these college radios important is that for every show you listen to, there's a person behind that show or a couple people behind that show that have like sifted through tons of music, tons of music. I know I listen to like I'm searching for songs about two or three hours every day. I'm on SoundCloud, Bandcamp, you know, I'm just it's so much music. And like you kind of get down to this routine of just like listening to everything, trying to find the right thing. And what makes it important is that you're hearing stuff that is handpicked that people think are important. And you know, you might not like my music taste, you might not like someone else's music taste, but they care about it, and there's a lot of thought behind it. It's not, oh, Justin Bieber put out a new song, I guess it's going to be the biggest song in the world right now kind of thing. And you can't really deny the new Justin Bieber. Just going to put that out there. You can't deny Top 40. I'm going to say that as well. Top 40 is fun to listen to. Beyonce? Are you kidding me? Top 40 is meant to be liked. They design it for you to like. And if you say, I don't like Top 40... You're lying, cause they—it's scientifically proven that it's like the perfect music to listen to, to a degree, right? You might have like you know things that you hate about that certain person that tint your view on it, but I mean, you know, when those songs come on and you know them, it's like, oh god, like how do they make it so catchy? It's just incredibly like, what do they do to it? And you can't deny that. But there's also other music out there. Music that's as equally as catchy, that doesn't get nearly the same amount of press. Also, other radio stations, all this new, like, Spotify and stuff like that, they're giving you the new stuff. There's a lot of old stuff that people gloss over. 
talking about the 80s and 90s, talking about the Beatles, right? I mean, I guess the Beatles have probably still played somewhere on the radio. Probably, but there's a ton of bands. I mean, disco, right? Disco gets glossed over in a lot of top 40 radio stations and rock stations. So what makes CFUV and Chile and all these stations really important is that you get something different, something that people care about and something that, you know, I think every programmer here, when they're playing a song, they care about that song. I've never played a song on my show where I'm like, nah, nah, I don't really care about this song. I get, I've never given people a throwaway and I really care about that. I'm really serious about, you know, every song I play, I'll fight for it. I won't fight for some as hard as others, obviously, because I can't like every song that much, but for the most part, it's, I like this song and I think there's something to it and I think you should listen to it for some reason. And I think that comes across in every other programmer's show as well. And I think that's really important. Since high school, Jackson has been passionate about making soul and disco music accessible to everyone. His role in the Victoria music scene is ever-changing as he finds more ways to involve himself with it, and he uses overgrowth to remind the people of the joy of life through dancing. Our last track is James Blake's Love What Happened Here. This episode of Behind the Mic included a conversation with Jackson, host of Overgrowth, which airs from 7.30 to 9 p.m. on Tuesdays. For more episodes of Behind the Mic, check out your favorite podcast provider or visit soundcloud.com slash cfuv. Oh, 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 oh,